for those of you who have been with us over the last um, few months, uh, we'll know that we've been doing a whole series on the Crooked Crowns, um, basically where we've seen David, although anointed by God, he was never really going to ever be the perfect king. Uh, God always meant that he was going to be our king uh, and the king of Israel. Um, but, you know, Israel wanted to be like other nations and they wanted their own very own king. So God relented and he gave them a king to rule over them. Now, he gave them some warnings on that. And we've seen as we've gone through the series uh, that some of those warnings that he gave them have actually come true. And then last week, we were reminded uh, of Jesus's triumphal entrance to Jerusalem as he's welcomed by some to be king. Uh, There's waving of palms, there's singing a hosanna in the highest. And Jesus is the perfect king because he is the son of God. So today, a week after his celebrated entrance into Jerusalem, everything looks a lot different. Jesus was the king who was crucified on Friday. And now we're here on Easter Sunday and the tomb has been found empty. And today we're going to be looking at two aspects of how Jesus is still sovereign king, despite what has already happened. Um, So I'm going to be taking us through Jesus being king on the cross. And later in the service, Paddy's going to be taking us through uh, Jesus being king of the empty tomb. So it's easy to get caught up with the somberness of Good Friday and the thought of Jesus' death on the cross. But, but it, while it's good to remember that, and it is, you know, a very somber day, uh, you know, he's, he's gone through suffering. He's gone through humiliation on that cross. And it's good to remember that so we know the cost and the greatness of Jesus' love for us. But it's also really important that we remember that the, that the cross was part of God's plan, that God was in control in in all of this. Now, when you're sitting here sort of looking at Easter Sunday and the tomb's empty and you're not sure what's going to happen and why has this king been killed, then, you know, we we can question it and we can wonder what's really going on. But we call the Friday before Easter Sunday Good Friday because Jesus died so that everyone could be forgiven for the things they have done wrong. It was part of God's plan to enable us to have a renewed relationship with God again. And we can have that relationship anywhere. We don't need to be in a temple. We don't need to be in a church. And we don't need to be any specific place. The death of Jesus on the cross has opened that up for us. And some of you will know from our Passover feast on Thursday that a lamb was sacrificed and the blood put over the doorposts of the Israelites to protect them from death. This was done before the Israelites escaped to freedom from their slavery in Egypt. Like that lamb, like that lamb was used at that time, Jesus has become the final sacrifice whose blood has set us free from death of our wrongdoings. Through the act of the cross, we can have life and freedom again. And that is good news. So Jesus may have died on that cross but he was still sovereign. He was still royal. He was king on that cross. He was not a king the way the Jews expected him to be because he was a servant king. 
He came to do what God had sent him to do, which was to lead those who believed in him to freedom through the ultimate sacrifice. So let's just have a quick look. Some of you have got Bibles. If you can grab a Bible or or find the Bible on on your phone. We're looking at Matthew 27, uh, 27 through uh, to uh, 28, I think 61-ish. Just a question for you to have a look and just a few minutes to, to speak to somebody next to you. Have a look and find out any clues that will give you a clue that Jesus is king in that passage. So I'll just give you a few minutes to have a chat. And then we'll feed back and see if you can find some ideas. Okay, okay. Yes. He had, sorry? He had a crown of thorns, yes. So he had a crown on his head, one of thorns. Anybody else got anything that might show that he's a king? Sorry? Scarlet robe, yes. In, in, um, in the Roman period of time, uh, it was really expensive to have uh, robes dyed in that kind of way. So to be scarlet was a sign of somebody who had great power and great, uh, probably royalty. Yep. Anybody else? Yes. He had a scepter. That's correct. That's the big orb. And there was something else he had as well. Anybody find that? Yes, that's right. So they'd put a sign above his head saying, this is, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. So, so the Romans had actually put that above his head. Can anybody think of anything else? I think that's most of it. Yeah, he was also hailed the king of the Jews. So when he was being mocked, he was also hailed to be king of the Jews uh, and as along with the staff, he also had, along with the scepter, he also had a staff. Um, so this was kind of Jesus's coronation. This was how Jesus was coronated. He was coronated in this mock way with violence. Now, I don't know, most of you are going to um, uh, know that we're going to be coronating our king, King Charles III, in a few weeks' time. And there's going to be a great procession through the city in a beautiful carriage. And there's going to be many soldiers which are going to walk before him and behind him in their best royal celebratory uniforms. Charles will be looking very regal in his best royal clothes, which have been made specially for the occasion. He will have a gold crown with lots of expensive jewels on and that would be placed on his head as part of that coronation. He will be given a staff and a scepter to hold as a king, which denotes his responsibility of the king of Britain. The trumpets will call out as he's proclaimed king of the nation, and people will hail him King Charles III. Dignitaries will be invited from all over the world so the whole world will know that he is king of this land. Jesus was the perfect king, but he was treated poorly by the people in an imperfect world in which he came to save. 
And later in that passage, we hear that Jesus dies in the earth and the, um, the earth shakes, the rocks split and tombs break open and the curtain temple splits from the top to the bottom. As Jesus' spirit leaves this earthly realm, it was so significant that the created order was physically shaken. So much so that the centurion who had been mocking him earlier suddenly saw just who Jesus was. Jesus just wasn't just the king of the Jews, but he was the son of God. Nothing was more needed. Jesus, King Jesus had accomplished all he had been sent to do. The blameless, pure and innocent lamb of God the ultimate sacrifice for all the wrongdoings in the past and in the future. It was finished. Jesus, as king on the cross, used his authority to forgive us. As king, he invites everyone to come into his kingdom if they believe in him. And as only as king can do, he makes a new covenant, a promise, a decree between man and God a new way of life offered to everyone, a life of freedom from the darkness in this world. Now, just as a way of kind of thinking about the cross, we're going to do a a prayer activities. You've each got your coin. Now, depending on which coin you've got, you've either got a cross or kind of like a prison-y type thing. If you have that facing upwards, we're going to use this just as a short period of, of prayer. And we're going to apply the cross to our lives. And we can apply the cross when we need forgiving, knowing that the cross brings forgiveness. We can apply the cross when we're struggling to forgive others, knowing that we are forgiven so we can forgive others. And when we doubt God's love for us, we are reminded of the loving sacrifice and the cost on that cross. And if we're angry or resentful, we can take those pains to the cross, knowing that Jesus heals those. And if we wonder if God exists, the proof is here in the accounts of the cross that he is a real person who died for us. So just take a few moments now and just think, is there anything that you need to let go of and leave at the cross? And you might want to start with your palm open with a cross facing up. And as you allow that thing that you're burdened with or you want to release or that freedom that you want to take just close your hand over the cross knowing that it is held and left at the cross for Jesus to deal with I'm just going to allow a few minutes for that Lord, we want to thank you for the cross. We want to thank you for your love on the cross. We want to thank you for the forgiveness and the freedom that you have given us and that ever-open invitation to follow you into a life of fullness with you. Amen. Matthew 28, verse 1 says, After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, 
Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead, and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. Um, I'm going to just teach you one word, Dan, actually. If you can just uh, flip ahead. Yeah, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. Um, This is the word I want to tell you today. Uh, Tetelestai. Can you say tetelestai? Now, I don't often do Greek, but occasionally I like Greek words, right? And, and tetelestai means it is finished. It's what Jesus says on the cross, okay? And this is a word that I want you to tell yourself, tetelestai, okay? Repeatedly, it's finished, okay? I love the words of the angels that say God is king even over the tomb. He is not here. Death cannot be the end. There's more to life than this. How many of you know that? Just deep in your heart, you know, you sense, you just ask the question, maybe, there must be more to life than this. When you look at some of the brokenness and the suffering, yeah? Like when you look around and you see brokenness and tragedy, you think there must be more to life than this. It's because you were made for eternity. God in the garden at the beginning creates you for eternity. Relationship with him gives you that eternal life. That relationship's broken. The story of the Bible is the story that leads to the cross. Death, death. Death, 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 until you get this one who was born differently, born of a virgin, born of a different line, who lives even though they die. Jesus says, I'm the king to Telestai. Say to Telestai. It's finished. It's finished. Death is finished. The, the death that we encounter every day is finished. To Telestai. It's finished. What I love about this word is this is uh, written in the perfect sense, uh, tense. So the idea is that it was finished. It is being finished, and it will be finished. It's like this ongoing kind of completion that God's doing. That means we never have to worry that it's stopped. It means we never have to worry that it applies to someone else and not for me. Uh, Daniel, just go up a slide for a second. What would God say about the thing that's holding you back from loving him more? That thing that's stopping you knowing him. What would God say to that thing that means you don't live uh, fullness of life? Fear, brokenness, despair, destruction, death. What would God say? God would say this. Don't go down. God would say, Tetelestai. Can you say it one more time? Tetelestai. It's finished. Now, Tetel is an interesting part of the word. It comes from teleo, uh, finishing. Uh, It was also applied, not this word, but a slightly different Greek word, uh, to when debts were paid. They found lots of these little documents that have Tetel written on it. People used to say, oh, that's Tetelestai. That means the debt's been paid. Slightly different Greek word. But the roots there, the punishment has been paid. The paid in full. It means it's finished. It's like when you start a job or start Call of Duty around and you win. Like, it's finished. I've won. Jesus is saying it's finished. I want to encourage you. Easter Day says, whatever it is that's holding you back, fear, guilt, pain from others, to tell us it's finished. God, the king of empty tombs. I want to invite you guys this year, stick with us. As we live the Easter story, we are Easter people. To tell us, die, it's finished. Whatever else stands against you, it's finished.